Uh, n- no, no, they just have the starting screen, but the the audience is getting antsy and they they want they want to hear from you. sad about my sad my small closet and the fact that squeaks and i have to share a bathroom he needs his own bathroom okay that's the moral of this story i want a room for him to have his toilet in because right now it's in my walk-in closet wait i'm sorry for the listeners that don't know christina has a cat named squeaks oh yeah i didn't realize (laughs) that cats i've never had a cat and i know Mm -hmm. cats have litter boxes but cats have cats use the bath like use your bathroom I took no. my dog out to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, no. what is what is this concept it's, that you share the bathroom with your cat? <laughs> it's more so that I've seen other people have the setup of they have their pet's litter box inside of a like designated space, right? So some people have like a closet. Some people have a second bathroom. So they toss the cat's litter box in there. And I like that idea. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of Squeaks having his own just more space that is his whether that be a walk-in closet or another bathroom i just i would love for his toilet not to be in my closet for the record some people do train their cats to use the bathroom or use a toilet which is so i've thought about it so many times with our dog i was like if i could just train him to use the toilet man the world would be my oyster everything would be just fine i just want (laughs) yeah Jasmine, the pee in the shower, so she doesn't have to go outside. Jasmine, by the way, people, is not Buck's good. girlfriend. It is his dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just watched the Big Bang Theory episode where it's, they're doing the quote to be like, is this Cinnamon, the tiny little Yorkie dog, uh-huh. or his girlfriend? I and it's yeah. stuff like, I can't believe we're both Geminis, or whatever it is. And, like, all of these quotes where you're just like, that is so questionable. But at the same time, I get it because I've had people assume that Squeaks is either a man in my life or my child, just depending <laughs> on how I phrase things. Would, like, what a nickname for a boyfriend, Squeaks. But see, I won't say Squeaks. One time I was being like, oh, yeah, I'm getting ready. We are getting ready to move. Oh, OK. Well, just like, like ambiguous statements like that. I get that. I get that. Or like, oh, I have to go pick up, I call him the boy, like, a lot. Or just like, mm. the child or my baby boy. So yeah, I get it. Cute. The, there are some statements where I'm like, yeah, I, ugh, great. I have to have this conversation where I'm like, no, it's not a human I'm talking about. I just. Amazing. Well, let's cat. talk about some humans, shall we? <laughs> Specifically some humans that raced in Singapore this weekend. Oh, my God. What an gosh. exciting race. You guys. I, I feel like I've just been smiling all day. Like, my. My dimples need a break because I've been so happy all day long. I not watched that I'm not the race. happy when Max wins because they like yay for Red Bull, but like come yeah. on. But it was just a good race. Like even if you like Max, getting to see him race against other people, actually do overtakes and go wheel to wheel is so much more satisfying than That's just true. like bye. That's like, true. Like come on, given the choice, mm-hmm. I want to see him fight people. Not yeah. not not literally fight, but like car fight, you know. Not that I would ever think that Max would physically fight anyone. He's literally like the nicest, sweetest person in the world. But I I've seen him and Checo go have have slap fights with a tortilla, so you know, amazing. He's he's got some good swings in him. <laughs> he did get pretty aggro with George that one time in uh, Baku. Oh, and with Esteban. Was that him? Yeah, George gave the whole no, gave him. I don't know why I thought it was Esteban. What am I thinking? No, there are two incidents. There's the one with Esteban from back yes. in the day when he was in the pink um, OG. And then there was also um, pr- the Princess George incident from this year. 
where it got a little little spicy. Yes, well. But, you know. It was more so words being <laughs> shared at Princess George to this year. I felt like being pissed. However. That's true. We all know that F1 drivers can have a history of being physical. My favorite is the one, and I don't remember who the drivers were, but I'll have to look it up after this, where they crashed and the they both DNF'd on the side of the road and one climbed out and started running towards the other yes! car. And the other climbs down and he like thinks it's about to be this like amicable, like, I'm sorry, man. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he starts running. Uh, the things they can't do today, but okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk okay. a little bit about Singapore. First, let's start with qualifying because... Liam Lawson oh my gosh. is the new king of qualifying, even though he like, didn't put it on pole. He is the new king of qualifying. The scream such... I scrimped when he bumped Max out of, yeah, out of Q3. I think I probably woke up the ghosts in my neighbor's <laughs> home. Like, that's how, that's oh how my loud gosh. I that's, it was a lot to process and also for added context uh q1 was happening for me at 6 a.m i think oh that's a good point so uh normally at 6 a.m the only thing i have the capacity to do is my morning stretches and half-assingly like throwing toys for for the aforementioned cat that is getting a lot of a lot of attention today uh but it it was very very like that q1 was really intense Especially because it just kept going and going and going. No, wait, they got out in Q2. Sorry, I'm jumping back yeah, already. Yeah, they did get out in Q2. They got out in Q2. And that wasn't just the two Red Bulls. It was literally Liam Lawson and then a current Red Bull driver, a past Red Bull driver, another Red Bull driver, another past Red Bull driver, and Yuki Sonoda, which, oh, the tears I shed for Yuki. Like that, that was my big emotional takeaway. I was too busy being sad about Yuki to be happy for Liam in that moment. Like, it just, Yuki has been having such a bad time lately. And it makes me very, very sad because he's one of my favorites. I love watching him drive and his little, like, just joy on his face when he gets happy. But then, but then, yeah. He didn't yeah. even get to set a, he didn't set a time. Like, that's right. Like, that's he right. Didn't get si- set a time he got impeded on his two. first, on his first lap. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he got called into the Weybridge. I'm sorry, but I think it's outrageous that they can be called to the Weybridge in anything other than, like, Q1, I get it. It's 18 minutes. You have a decent amount of time that even with traffic, even with, like, you can manage that a lot better. But Q2 and Q3? No. Can you not? Like, do you mind? Do you mind? Well, the, and the, it took a while for Q2 to start because of Lance's crash. Yeah. So I was like, you couldn't have chosen that to be the Waybridge moment when we were all in right? suspension anyway. I just, there are better times for things. I want to know the logic behind that of doing like Waybridging in the middle of an active session. I don't like it. I, I do have to like say, it. though, I did feel like the... FIA marshals, officials, and so so on and so forth that were there were speedy with their decisions this weekend. Yes. Speedier than the past. Yes. Decisions were good, but it took them three minutes to get the AMR, not the AMR, to get the Aston Martin safety car to Lance. That's true. Like three minutes. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I'm like, glad he was okay. I'm glad he was conscious at like at the point of impact because i think that was i think that was everyone's concern was that like he wasn't conscious but he did seem to be conscious 
yeah. at the point of impact. Well, he, and... he was able to get himself out of the car and everything. Yeah. Like yeah, it yeah. was relatively fine as most of the crashes these days are. Thank you, safety features and Thank like you. big brain engineering. <laughs> yes. Oh, what as we happens? learned in the Monza episode, safety oh, yeah. is so important. Um, no, but speaking of like crashes and debris, I think the longest cringe I felt the whole weekend was when Logan bashed into the wall and then we just watched his front wing drag for like the whole rest of the life. I was like, ah, like I know he's doing the right thing. I know he's supposed to like bring it home so that he can stay in the race. Blah, blah, blah. But I was like watching the debris like flying off and the sparks and the they get wedged underneath there. I was like, oh no, the destruction, the endless destruction that's just being spread. It was so painful. It's it's those kind of situations where I'm kind of like, this feels like the right situation to throw like a black and white flag and to just be like, no, you have to pull over here. Interesting. You're you're you're, you're bringing too much onto the track. Like maybe not this situation because this one did only leave like a, a handful of pieces of debris. But there are some situations where they're dragging so much of their car and have so yeah. little control where you're like, I feel like we have a good procedure for this. But yeah, him, I just. I want Logan to be doing better. I want him to just have a no incident weekend where we don't have to talk about him at this point, quite frankly, because I feel so bad for him because he was brought up earlier than his program was planned. He was supposed to have another year in F2. And instead, he has to publicly have all of these like incidents happen on a much bigger stage where it's much less appropriate for him to be having these learning moments yeah, just, in a car that's still in development too. Cause like, yeah. it's not like he's being thrown into a car that's been developed and is, you know, performing really well. Don't get me wrong. The Williams is performing better than anybody thought it would perform this year, but Alex has had experience in the Williams. Yeah. As it's been being developed. And so I will, it's... I will, I will happily defend Logan, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, oh. there's plenty to talk about. I feel like, Carlos starting on pole. I think we were all nervous, but seeing some of the Red Bull performance over the course of the weekend, I don't know that we are necessarily nervous for, I don't know. Did you think that like, did you think that Max was going to come back and win? No, no. My okay. bet, my bet was that I, here were my predictions on my last live right before the race. It was, and this would have been, so would have been Saturday night. I didn't post qualifying one, but my bet was that either Carlos or Lando would win, and then second and third would be either um, Lando or George. Ah, so I was real close to that one. You like, were close, <laughs> one corner away from having a perfect score. But then I was also intentionally asked multiple times where I thought Max would end, and that prediction was fourth or fifth. Okay. Knocked it out of the park. You did great. Also, to I'm anybody who's that. watching, feel free to shoot us some questions because we will definitely answer them. Um, yes. But I... <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Buck. <laughs> they can't see what you guys are typing, so I'll, I'll relay the questions. Yes, we can't see your questions, but we're relying on amazing producer admin Buck, who, if you're asking any questions... On our Instagram page, you're also talking to Buck. So this is good practice. Yeah. You ask questions on our Instagram page. But no, I I feel like I've just been trained this season to not doubt Max. And I'm like, it's true. as soon as you start to doubt him, he wins. So I'm like, all right, I won't doubt him. 
I'm going to hold on to the possibility that he could come back and win this, even with all of the reliability issues that they've experienced all weekend. And it worked for me. Reverse psychology on myself. And he didn't podium. Um, no, but I, I was just, I feel like in shock and awe at the end of the race at how brilliant Carlos was. Like such a big brain intentionally moment. Like, I was like, who, where did he learn that? You know, like you think to yourself, like, where does one learn that? Or even think, because I said to my husband a million times, I was like, that feels like the biggest gamble to me. Like, that just feels like the riskiest, craziest gamble. And he was like, no, it's genius. It's brilliant. It's literally like higher IQ thinking. And I just, I'm still in shock and in awe. And I said, here's the part about it that I feel like is so impressive that people don't realize they couldn't talk about it with each other. They couldn't like, it wasn't like Carlos could be like, all right, telling the team, to tell Lando to tell the plan of to the stay within DRS plan. They just like the power of friendship, telepathy, like spoke See? to one another. I'm serious. Why make teams based on friendships is a it's legit strategy. It's crazy. And I said to my husband, I was like, nobody, I don't think anybody else on the grid could have pulled that off. Like, no. I don't think anybody else not that are not teammates could have pulled that off successfully like I was just so in awe of all of all of it I just it was uh it was so amazing so amazing yeah we have a question yeah yes you guys have some thoughts on forgiven infringements slash impeding incidents this weekend are we speaking um, Max? well I mean we had Max and Checo I would say yeah the, Checo's complaining about Hamilton going off and gaining an advantage. Uh, I have an opinion about his start and the fact that he had to give two spots back when I don't think he needed to give Lando a spot back in the beginning. Oh, no, I think he had to give Lando the spot back, 100%. He, 100%. Well, let's go, we'll go frame by frame, and we'll do a separate YouTube video on why <laughs> oh it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> but your guys' thoughts on the general, like the forgiven infringements, impeding, and... Does it set a new standard for relaxed stance on such things by the stewards? It, it was bad. It was really inconsistent over what would be counted as impeding and what not, wouldn't, and what would get a penalty and what wouldn't. It, it's not a great look, especially if it's very, very blatant of like this car is smack dab in the middle of the track on a like warm up or cool down. Like that is the one place you're never supposed to really have your car, it's always supposed to be off the racing line and like with enough buffer kind of a thing. There are very few circumstances where it's, it's, it's acceptable to do that. So on that front, it's like, yeah, no, they need to have a meeting. And important thing to remember is that there are different stewards each and every race weekend, which is like, it helps make sure that there isn't a consistent bias that's happening, but it also opens you up to inconsistencies if they're not all given the same clear guidelines. So that's, it is a known problem that the FIA do need to address, I think. They need to have much better guidelines of and examples of what they're going to count as impeding, what isn't they're going to let fly. Like it just, and them hiding behind the whole excuse of it being lap one, turn one, flies for a lot of stuff but there are some mistakes that just like 
I'm sorry, even if it's lap one, turn one, and there's a lot of chaos, you should know better. You should be able to handle that kind of a situation. Like yeah, I'm specifically talking about Checo hitting hitting Yuki in that instance. That was a, a straight up ridiculous. Yeah. Like Yeah, I think that um sometimes, especially post quali or post race, when they've kind of stalled a decision for afterwards, I think they're kind of waiting to see how much that decision would impact the results. And which that is stupid. Ways. And I said I I have no proof of this. This is just a theory. But yeah, I think that they kind of see how much that decision would weigh in and if it would drastically change things, then I think that they decide to like let bygones be bygones and let, you know, let things fall where they may. I also think again, another theory, but I think that based on the fact that a lot of the charges or whatever were dropped after qualifying because some of the impeding was done by a Red Bull to an Alpha Tauri and the Alpha Tower representatives never went to the defense hearing, which was a little bit convenient, I think, for Red Bull. Um, when you have situations where you have sister teams like this, I think that sometimes they'll decide, oh, we're just going to deal with it ourselves and do what's going to be more advantageous advantageous to, let's say, the team that's still in the race. So yeah, I think it's... that that's... One of the dirty truths. But again, it's a theory. I have no proof. Um, but I do think that that could be a reality. But good question. Good question. Because we didn't yeah. really hit on that. Because it was it was one of those... Well, I was like... I felt like the Yuki... When Yuki was impeded in, in Q1, I was like, that needs to be answered for. That's ridiculous. But then they were like, yeah. 19 of the drivers are being investigated for impeding. I was like, all right. This is a little ridiculous. And I know that it's a road uh, course. Like, it's a street course. Sorry. Yeah. And the layout of it does make it particular when it comes to impeding, like as you go around those corners, you have to continuously be changing the positioning of your car. And that is a challenge. But, you know, Fernando Alonso suggesting that it should go to a one point shootout is a bit ridiculous to me. But having Q1 be split on certain tracks into two groups makes, makes sense to me. Almost like, too much sense. Just give them that little bit of buffer space every once in a while, like especially at smaller, shorter tracks like Monaco or what is it, Hungary? That's like the second shortest on the calendar. You mm. have places like that where it just makes sense or street tracks where, again, you can have accidents happen really quickly and then cars could potentially drive into each other. Like a lot of this makes sense in my mind. It it really does. It just yeah. makes so much sense. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a really good question. I think that a lot of times things just kind of get brushed aside by the mm-hmm. events that are actually happening. Because the other thing was like Botas DNFs and we like never <laughs> saw that happen. <laughs> I was notice. like, why didn't why didn't we see Botas DNF? And at one point, I think that the Mercs were like the Mercs were chasing the um obviously Carlos and Lando, Carlando, they were chasing Carlando. And then the camera cuts to Max. And I'm like, why are we watching Max? He's not leaving. <laughs> the one time (laughs) we have a question from instagram hey Uh, i i'm gonna give this name a shot corporate yes uh the ceo is a big fan oh no um i'm gonna pronounce this name and i really apologize if i butcher it aofe aofe ifa ifa you know ifa a-i-o-f-e yes is it a-o-i-f-e say it again Aoife. Aoife. Aoife Stone. Thank you so much. 
uh, for reaching out. Your question is, what are your thoughts of Daniel coming back with Lawson doing such a great job so far? Do you think this could potentially change the seats for next year? Man, I don't think Red Bull know what they're doing with the seats. How the heck am I? I don't think they have a clear picture. You want me to have a clear picture? Like, I, just, I feel like that team is giving me whiplash, okay? All I want is to know that Yuki is okay and safe and that he has a seat like like i'm not i'm never gonna worry about daniel okay daniel is one of christian's favorite children red bull will take care of daniel i'm not worried about him long term but like yuki they they just they kind of forget about yuki i think because he really is there because of the honda partnership and with the honda partnership coming to a tail end i feel like they're just kind of like right we have yuki and we kind of have to so yeah like from what i've heard they're planning on announcing Yuki at Japan because it's his home race. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. They're planning to announce Daniel for 2024 afterwards once he's back in the car. Mm -hmm. So, okay, cool. I think that they're also potentially just evaluating Checo still because, I'm sorry, we've heard one too many comments of them being like, hmm, we'll see. And, and even Checo has changed his tune a little bit to being like, I'm evaluating options for after this contract is done. Which is like, okay, those are fair things to say, but we had a real big switch up from the summer break where they were like, oh yeah, we're happy with Checo, to now being like, yeah, we're evaluating things. And you're like, okay. And Red Bull do have that history of seat swapping mid-season or when their drivers even have contracts. Like, it is a known thing they do. It's their style. It is what it is. Anything's possible. I have no clear answer here. I just, I'm so, I'm so tired of them. I need them to just make a decision. I'm done. Please. No one tells us anything. Um, Aoife, <laughs> I hope I said your name right, by the way. You did. I know. Okay, good. Because um, I, I know it's one of those old Irish or Scottish names. And I'm going I Irish. Know, yes. And I know it's, um, it's one of those ones that's not really spelled how Americans say it, but I'm, I'm so proud of myself for knowing that one. But okay. Um, yes, I think that nobody tells us anything from these teams, so we can't speak with authority. Um, however, based on Liam Lawson's post-race interview, I think he's really hungry to have a seat. And I think Ooh, that yeah. he knows he does not have the history to win the popularity contest because he hasn't been around long enough and no one's going to beat Daniel in a popularity contest and Yuki's been there for a hot minute so I think that he because like afterwards I feel like on the interview afterwards they were trying to be so sweet and nice and congratulatory of him and he was like I've got to work on my starts I got to work on getting better at this I got to and I was like you know what respect <laughs> like respect for you trying to prove to them that you really really want to be there and like you're going to continue working to be there so I think Liam Lawson deserves to be there mm -hmm. It is a harsh reality that for someone new to come in, someone has to leave. And I don't want to see, I don't want, I don't want to see Daniel leave. I don't want to see Yuki leave. I don't want to see Cheka leave. Obviously, we're not going to be seeing Max leave. But I think that I'm like, mm, if only there was another spot. <laughs> if only. So, Let's get yeah. two more cars on the grid. Tell me about it. Um, switching gears just a little bit. Did you yeah. guys notice, and we have more questions and I'll get to them, but did you guys notice the start of the race? It sounded really hectic for the commentators. Like they couldn't keep up with everything that was going on. Like it, it was almost like the first time they had commentated a race together. I felt like for the first and maybe the, the listeners for Crofty and for Mark. yeah, like they kept playing catch up and couldn't figure. Like it, it wasn't 
it didn't sound bad. It just sounded like there was more going on than we could see. Like they must've been getting information from off screen or something like that. But for the first five laps, it felt like they couldn't keep up with like it. They kept having to go back and, you know, oh, we're going to have to wait and see that. Or I, I, it just felt really more, much more hectic start of a race than I've heard before. I think a lot of times they're at the mercy of whatever the, cameras are showing them and so they'll see something they want to talk about and then by the time they finish their sentence their previous sentence to talk about it they've changed the shot so they're like ah, i was gonna talk about that but now we're gonna talk about this so i i don't know i mean again it was also early in the morning when i was watching so i'll be totally honest with you i don't really listen to them as much i don't like tune into them as much at the very beginning because i'm trying to watch and keep track of everything that's going on <laughs> And I'm like, wake up, Caroline, watch the cars. But also, you know. We were up at five. There was a lot. I know, I know. I had ice cream for breakfast. That's how I woke up. Up is a very um, generous term for what I was. Oh, well. (laughs) Stirring is closer to it. Like, I was, I had squeaks in one arm and holding the tablet in the other hand, just being like, yes, everything's (laughs) fine. Uh, But, Okay, I will say, I think that the color grading was slightly different for this race weekend. So looking, because the aerial view that we got for the race start was also, I think, a little bit farther out than we typically are. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was just slightly disorienting of what car am I actually looking at, especially when you have the McLarens and the Mercedes right next to each other this weekend when they're both dominated by black. Mm-hmm. Like there were moments, especially with the exposure on whatever cameras yeah. was like, cause it's not, I was, so yeah, I was myself kind of confused by which, like I was disoriented a little bit with a couple of the shots of who mm-hmm. I was watching just because of that, like one specific camera angle right at the start. Yeah. There also, were times where the Alpines kind of looked like Red Bulls from, from yeah. above. And I was like, wait, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like there there were some of those moments where just the camera exposure was a little bit funky. And also, I don't know who of which broadcasting team travels to the race and which ones of them might be working out of the um, home box back in the UK. Mm. So that also just messes oh, with your internal clock and makes things funky. Like even if they are live in Singapore, this is a race where they try to stay on their local time zones. Mm-hmm. But still, it's a funky existence to yeah. do that. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, I know I know that Singapore is like notoriously the hardest one for them to kind of transition into. Australia mm-hmm. is also a hard one, but like they usually have a break around it, but they like kind of didn't really have a much of a break this time. Um, but I felt like, I actually felt like some of this tomfoolery started to happen when later in the race, when the Mercs were like, when they pitted to start catching up, Cause that was when I felt like Crofty and Martin were like, put your money on Mercedes. Mercedes is going to win this race. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, they are confident. They are very confident on what I would have called a gamble. <laughs> uh, it, was it a good gamble? Yes. Yeah. At any oh, point absolutely. think the Mercedes were going to win? No, I didn't. I got nervous. If you look nervous. at the math, I, I won't lie. I got nervous. <laughs> I, I, I think if, if you were to wa- use multi-viewer and I don't know if, any of our mm-hmm. viewers watch use multiviewer, but you should. The data that he puts into that allows you to see exactly what they probably saw, which is mathematically, if they mm-hmm. do this per lap and get there in time, they'll catch him. They'll they'll get him. And and Lando was also dropping back at the time, 
and falling out of DRS. So he would have been easy pickings. Hence the brilliant. And by the way, Carlando's nice, but the gravel trap is officially coined uh, for Claren. Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is the new team. Yeah, I saw you do that. Um, no. Oh yes, it is. I hate that so much, Buck. Christina. <laughs> Uh, you, you can hate it all you want, but it's super popular. It's We're real. Getting, it's real. <laughs> it's Team for Claren. I, uh, for Claren. Well, no. I will say I was nervous. I saw them gaining a second and a half, two seconds, a lap. And I was like, we have 15 mm -hmm. laps left. They are definitely going to catch them. But I think overtaking Charles obviously <laughs> takes more time in a lap yeah. than if they were just rolling out in clean air and then they would have i mean they would have caught him if carlos hadn't done his absolute mastermind plan but they didn't count on the racing dynasty that is carlos signs jr i was so proud i was just so excited i'm just so, i was so like oh plus for those that don't know my husband's italian and so like as you can imagine it was a stressful moment in our house as the oh. as the Mercedes were hunting down, because the other thing is, I I don't really have like a team or a driver that I'm like, mm, yeah, you're my favorite. Because like I would love to see the Mercedes do well. I would love to see Lando win. I would love to see Carlos win. Like obviously, that was what made it so exciting was that it was going to be a big deal, no matter no what. matter who won in the top yeah. four. Like it was going to be a big deal if Carlos won, a big deal if Lando won, a big deal if George won, and a big deal if Lewis won. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Okay, let's hit some of these questions. Okay. Guys. It was really good. Uh, did John Walshaw would like to know? Did you guys watch the F one kids? No, uh, I saw the version. highlights. I love the F one kids thing. Was it Harry Benjamin again this year, or this time that did it? Because he does a great job. Um, but no, I love the F one kids broadcast. I can't access the F one kids broadcast with my like subscription. I wish I could. And I think it's so cool and it's so cute. And I love their little, their little like okay. emoji things. I, I like their emojis, but the emojis avatars. don't help me. Sorry. The little avatars, emojis, whatever they are, they don't help me actually identify who each driver is. Like that's wrong. the thing. I like, I feel like the whole purpose of being able to see their faces is that you actually know what their face is, which you don't get with the emojis. Like, either show me them with their helmet or, like, show me them with their actual face. But, like, I like the style. I like how cutesy it is. I don't feel it's actually useful. Even actually, as a child, that would have annoyed me. It's very me. informative. They put really good stats in mm -hmm. there. They, the, the I like avatars, their graphics, yeah. Yeah, the avatars are hard to, like, keep track of. But they have the names there and, like, their little race suits on. So, like, you can kind of tell. But I actually feel like they do a good job of making the information digestible. I actually, mm -hmm. hot take... New fans should watch the F1 Kids broadcast for the first few races to kind of get their feet under them because it feels sometimes like drinking from a fire hydrant when you're watching and there's these, you know, amazing veteran professional announcers and racers that are doing the announcing. And you're like, what does that mean? I don't know what that is. And I'm like Googling everything my first couple of times watching. If you watch the F1 Kids broadcast, they'll explain it all for you and they'll tell you. The other thing, the other thing I felt like was kind of funny. I watched the F1 Kids broadcast, like recap of them announcing the lineup. 
and they oh, like the... roasted some of them in the they line. did the client who hasn't won a race yet yes when they got i the saw line, that like starting in second is the guy who hasn't won a race yet i was like the savagery from these kids like kids who haven't oh, had a God. who haven't had a filter for, forced on them yet is yeah. so good. Quite frankly, like, if I could talk like those kids do and not get in trouble, I would. So funny. Like, like it's not that easy unleash to win it. a race. It's hard. Anyway, I mean, Max Verstappen did it how many times? How hard can it actually be mm-hmm. when you have a fast car? It sure <laughs> is easier. Maybe the others should just fix their effing cars. Anyways, Chris Lewis would like to know, do you think a team like Alpine should be putting more focus on their reliability rather than the current car development? I feel like the DNFs are really adding up. You're really obviously the Christina question. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm an Alpine fan. No questions asked. I really like seeing teams develop and get better. But Alpine, it's frustrating me because they've known their reliability has been a problem for years. It has been years. Why are they letting this problem fester and grow? It's ridiculous. You know it's a problem. How have you not fixed it yet? Also, the guy who's interim in charge of their team is the guy who was previously in charge of that flipping power unit. Like, I'm sorry, what? That guy? Really? I just... He is the interim. I mean, they haven't hired him full time. I think Still. I think I like to be optimistic and think that maybe they're looking for someone that will maybe prioritize something like reliability. I would hope so. Going it's... forward, because I think they've learned that some of the changes start at the top. And I have to give a shout out to our boy, Fred, because he has oh, been making Ferrari some changes. Change. Yeah. He's been making some changes and we are seeing the fruits of them. I think we are. It's not done yet, obviously, but I think that we're seeing the fruits. It's not. But yes, to answer the the question um, more directly, Alpine do need to address their reliability because, yeah. They're Short leaving, answer, they're so Chris, many points. yes. <laughs> so many points are being left on the table. Like, I would, lo- I, I actually had the urge to do this earlier, but I'm going to actually do it now. I want to go do the math of, like, what percentage of available points have they gotten like of those races where they don't dnf where it's not their driver's fault like i i want to go through and look at some like stats on yeah. alpine because it just they're because they had two double dnfs that weren't their fault it's true like or at least weren't their driver's fault and then the rely like i just alpine makes me sad they could be doing so much better but she still not. loves them people don't worry she's loyal do you yeah. have any other questions uh kira w is asking do you think ferrari didn't pit leclerc for mediums because without pitting he could hold up the mercedes better for carlos i i don't know if they had a set of mediums he could use they did not have a fresh set of mediums i know they didn't have any fresh mediums um however i asked myself the same question why they didn't pit charles i can't help but wonder because charles was i guess screwed by the double stack earlier yeah by the mercedes coming in with a double stack i wonder if ferrari was like we're not even gonna play with that happening again because they double i mean merc double stacked and so it could have potentially ended up being a situation where charles was in a position that he couldn't even defend because he was behind them on scrubbed mediums so i actually in hindsight feel like it was the right call and it was sad that it was sad that 
that happened to Charles early in the race, I felt bad for him because I felt like he had a really mm-hmm. good position and could have really fought for a podium and maybe even for one too. And it's really disappointing, but it's one of those things that like, I mean, you can't, I know like Mercedes didn't do it on purpose. It just was just what happened. It wasn't like what happened in Fernando's pit stop where that was just chaos. It was just bad luck, was, bad timing. Yeah, you couldn't help it. And Lewis was coming in and if anything, they did Charles a favor by keeping him from getting any kind of a, unsafe release penalty so shout out to ferrari for making some good calls see i think that if they had pitted him here's here's my alternate timeline and how i think it actually would have gone because we saw that leclerc was barely able to defend at that point against the mercedes like it was blink and you miss it type of a defense in my mind if they had pitted him they put him on the mediums he can at least distract Lewis or George from behind, depending on where he comes out amongst them. I'd have to go back and look at the specific timing of all of this because it is blurry. But, you know, it defending from the back by distracting the driver that's trying to go and get at your teammate, that is also a strategy. That is also, at the end of the day, I don't think it would have changed Leclerc's result. I do think that he still would have ended up behind the two Mercedes mm-hmm. or the one Mercedes at the end of it, RIP. But you know, it's a it's a hindsight thing of yeah. he probably would have had the same result, but which would have distracted the Mercedes the most. Mm-hmm. And I have to give a shout out to I feel like all the teams this weekend and was... particularly Ferrari and Mercedes for having their drivers communicate well and be on the same page with inner team strategies because mm-hmm. Lewis could have gotten whiny when George was ahead of him and they were chasing down Carlos and Lando and could have been whiny and asked to switch positions and said, I'm faster or whatever. And Charles could have done the same thing when they were in one, two for the first half of the race. And I didn't hear any of that. And I was like, I'm shocked that I'm not hearing it, but also good for them that I'm not hearing it. So yeah, there's only so much wine and cheese I can take. Tell me about it. The Anything first, else, Buck? You mentioned the first half of the race. I was keeping track so the first the first legitimate overtakes that don't count like starting like the first lap turn one turn two was on lap seven there were only two overtakes and it was both red bulls overtaking the car in front of them Mm -hmm. the first non-red bull legitimate overtake was hamilton on leclerc when leclerc made a mistake on lap 23 it wasn't really until pitting began that the race began i felt Mm -hmm. And everyone was saving their tires for like a pit stop. That was yeah. literally everyone was doing the exact same thing and just being like, it'll happen. We don't know who's going to make it happen. I bet you they all have bets in their own minds or like <laughs> officially of who they think is going to bring out that safety car. Quite frankly, if I was a driver, I would do that. Doesn't it? And I would not make it a secret who I thought L- was going to L- L- Does it make I'm a also case? A bit of an agent of chaos. Or like. Pirelli trying to orchestrate two-stop races all the time? Like, yeah. Wouldn't that make it more exciting if like, they always chose compounds that forced them into two... that, that made two stops They would the need primary? to make more tires, though, because we were already this week on the softest compounds. We were on C3s through I noticed C5s. that, yeah. So they would have to make a C6. They would have to push it even farther. Either that or not bring three compounds. Only bring, like, mediums and softs and just be like, 
sucks. Which but yeah, and they no have to ask there, the, and they have to ask the sustainability question because that's like their overarching goal. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think that that's kind of what makes a lot yeah. of this kind of in the back of all their minds when making decisions. So it's true. Yeah. Who can say? Um, our Irish friend on Instagram is asking. Do you think we'll see Carlos and Lando at the front next week in Japan or Red Bull dominance back on top? I think that Japan is kind of like the bag of I don't know, because it's like always raining in Japan. So it's going to be a question of who's going to handle it well and who's prepared for it. Because let's be real. The Red Bull was just not equipped for this track, but I do think that they're well equipped for Suzuka. So I do think we'll see some Red Bull strength return next this weekend. But I definitely think that this was a really big confidence boost for McLaren and for Ferrari and even for Mercedes. And I mean, huge shout out to McLaren for their development this season. Talk about most improved. Oh my word. And also the person I feel like that everyone's overlooking that got completely shanked in Q1 was Oscar. Didn't he also didn't he also get slightly shanked on TV by Brundle? Yes. Okay. I was barely my eyes were closed for that. And to the point where I was like, I was like fading in out of sleep. And I was like, did that happen in my dream or did that just happen in real life? He was in the middle. Did I fall asleep in the middle of his interview with Oscar and now he's talking to Esteban? I feel like he was talking but what woke me up was Esteban. 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 Which I was like not that we're hearkening back to last year when he was trying to talk to Esteban. No, for real though. He was in the middle of talking to Oscar and Oscar, Oscar, the clapback King over here <laughs> tweets after at Martin Brundle F1. Shall we finish our interview next week? <laughs> the next race. So cheeky. I died. I love him so much. <laughs> so oh. good. So good. So yes, we saw it happen. No, but I felt like, Lance's crash in Q1, while it was super disappointing for Yuki, it was also super disappointing for Oscar because Oscar was like right just around the corner, like almost (laughs) done with his lap. And then he didn't get to finish it because of Lance. So anyway. Well, I have as well, but I won't share. Every everything else was happening. So much was happening that no one got to see really any Oscar action anyway. So it was just like, oh, he started P17 and finished P7? Like, like come on. What? It's like he got as much attention as Botas DNFing did. LOL. So like, I do feel like he got attention post-race. Like everyone oh, yes, kind of 100%. talked post-race is like, oh, by the way, good job, Oscar, you know? Right? But during the race, I mean, let's be real. There was so much happening during the race that was so amazing to watch that. I, and it was his, like, first race in Singapore. Like, shout out to the it Singapore was. rookies, Liam and Oscar, because, wow. It was they... Logan's, too, but I'm not, I mean. We don't need to talk it. about you, that. You did it, Logan. You did it. <laughs> you raced in Singapore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, any more questions that we need to cover before we roll? It seems to be a combination of stuff. I can't tell. I'm trying to f- track it down here. All right. So Aaron Machado wants to know with Aston Martin and Honda working together and Red Bull joining with Ford, do you think Yuki will or could replace Fernando eventually? And John Wilshaw follows up with, do you, can you imagine a scenario where Lance doesn't have a seat? So ultimately, yeah, 
combination of you What's think some shuffling could happen there. Do you? I mean, I've heard I've heard some decent scenarios about how Lance could lose a seat or why Lawrence would allow for that. I could. Yeah. I think Fernando would go kicking and screaming. I don't think Fernando would go quietly. I don't think. I don't think he wants to stop racing, and with good reason. I don't think he's doing poorly, but. Um, the big question mark, I think, is Lance. And again, no one talks to us. No one tells us things. So we have no authority. I'll speak for myself. Maybe they talk to you guys. They don't talk to me. Um, so I don't know anything. But I don't foresee Lance going anywhere so long as his dad is a large voice on the team. But I am... I am happy to be wrong and i'm not too prideful to say that i'm right so it could be wrong <laughs> oh see i could see either scenario happening because fernando is happy until he's not and again he's a good enough driver that he can't have other options especially next year where like a third of the grid have to either renew their contracts or look for a new one Valid so point. fernando could go somewhere else i don't think he'd fully retire I think he's happy actually pushing, but he's proven that he still has mojo, which is what matters. Other teams would be willing to hire him. And with Lance, quite frankly, I do think that even a father's undying love and support has its limits. I do think that's a reality. I have to, like, it would be a very, it would be a conversation. And I think one day we will see Lance deciding of his own volition to go and do something else or race in another series. Like that is how it will be framed. I doubt it would ever be framed as like, we are firing Lance because I do think his father would, you know, cushion the blow like that. But, you know, it's I would also like hardcore respect Lance a lot for pulling like a Colton Herta and being like, I'm going to go and be slightly independent from my family. Like we are both interested in racing. We are both at active parts of this industry but we are not like codependent on each other and i would respect the heck out of him for that also also wait where did that thought go no it's gone never there. mind um all right so we have to wrap up but uh before great we go questions everybody seriously yes. great questions thank yes. you so much everybody who uh tuned in and had questions and joined us for the day uh before we go um Predictions for who is starting on pole in Japan. Max. Max Verstappen. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Max Verstappen. Hey, hey, we don't have rights to that song. Don't come on. That. <laughs> I sang it. It doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Your Quick, top three. It funny. It's a cover. Your top, your top three. Uh, <gasps> like in qualifying. Uh, the, at the end of Q3. Yeah. To start the race. He won two and three in qualifying. I think Max Checo Lando. I'm going to go Max Carlos. And I'm going to say Leclerc. The Ferraris are good at qualifying. I don't think they've won. Especially Charles. But they're fine. Pull a lap out, man. Charles can just pull a lap out of nowhere. That's a They really can. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, I'm going to hold you guys to that. And, Yikes. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll check in next week after Japan and review that. But thanks again, everybody who showed up. 
uh, we're now going to go record our podcast. Woohoo! Wait, thanks, guys. I will, I will say there's no rain forecasted currently for Saturday or Sunday. Oh, so... what will Japan be without the rain? Whatever will we do? <laughs> well, we'll see. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Yeah, we will. Bye, Thank you, guys. Everybody.